Welcome, everyone, to the Way Niagara podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Berta, and I'm here with Chris Dogleish and Steve Lamar. Today, this is the last installment of our Defining Way series, getting to know the church and some of the terminology and some of the uniquenesses that make Way the church that it is. And then we're also going to be talking through our series in the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 3 and 4. And so we're just so glad that you are listening from wherever you are. Thank you so much for tuning in. And so today, Chris, as we are talking about way in the next three years, where would you, where would your heart want to see the church in the next three years? I really want to see us expanded in our groups, uh, you know, with our discipled leaders leading their home churches, a few more people holding credentials through us, uh, through Anchor, a lot more home group stability and leadership in the next three years. That's uh, that's like our number one goal, because to us, um, our metric for growth is not uh, the number of people and the amount of money. It's uh, it's the amount of discipleship that's happening, the spiritual growth we see in people's lives. So. Uh, as a leader that's leading leaders, I really want to see uh, just just a multiplication in those groups uh, of growth in the next three years. That's that's an important piece of the puzzle. So what would be the difference? Someone I could hear somebody asking right now, what's the difference between, you know, a normal small group that any other church might have and more kind of the home church philosophy mm-hmm. that we're embracing here at Way? Yeah, I think the big difference is mission and budget uh, is part of what we can provide to those groups, we want to be able to empower them to reach their circles. And that's something you'll hear frequently at Way is that we want people to reach into their circle, the people that they see uh, at the supermarket, the people that they work with, their neighbors, their friends, their family group. However that circle looks, we want them to be empowered to reach it. And through that, through our church's resources, through our, our budgeting, and also through the um, avail- availability of manpower, uh, from the community, we can, you know, take a group and, and give them their own church-like mission. So the identity of each of those home groups, their mission is very different. Like each church might have its own mission. Well, the same thing goes for our, our small groups, our home groups, our home churches. And so we do have groups, or we probably have groups that look more like a Bible study group and, or look just like a, a typical small group, but it's the groups that have an intentional leadership that we'll get the budget, we'll get the support, we'll get the backing, and that's where, um, that's what a way micro church looks like. And so, Steve, having grown up in the church and now being a pastor and starting to lead one of these home church micro churches, what would you have to say about this? Like, what has your experience been so far, and what are some maybe some of the differences that you're seeing? Yeah, so some of the big differences, I've done small group leadership before, and uh, doing it with Way is completely different in some ways. Uh, One of the big things I'd say is our focus is not on your traditional Sunday service. We do have house of worship, but all that budget that would go to a big Sunday production is available for these micro churches instead. So you're able to really put a focus on what the mission is for those groups. And you can really support them where normally small groups are struggling trying to get the last few finances of what's left to do what they need to do. Uh, We're putting the focus on these groups. 
So they're the priority. And having that support from the upper end just as a leader feels amazing. I know I only have Chris above me, but uh, it is amazing to see what we can do. And I can see things coming down the road that are just amazing for these groups. And that's really good. Now, Chris, as a leader of leaders and as a pastor of pastors, how would you coach a leader, a pastor, in helping figure out what their group's identity and mission is? Well, first, I always encourage people to find what their group's giftings are. Like, where where, where do you have strengths? Who in your group uh, might have some talents or something that they, that they already have a burden or a vision for that community that they're trying to reach? But it also, um, I coach them to match what our vision is of community authenticity and creativity, right? So if they are um, a a group that's trying to establish their identity, like I want them to discover their community and do community well. I also want them to be authentic about it. I don't want it to just be like we're doing a a program. We're going to do alpha and we love alpha, but you know, it, it has its place. Maybe that's not the best use of that group's energy and resources. Maybe there's a more authentic thing like a backyard barbecue or, you know, setting up a bounce castle in their lawn and inviting the neighbors over. What, whatever that looks like, I want it to be more authentic, more to the, the heartbeat, the organic pace of those groups. And then finally, creativity. I want to see that creativity come out of those leaders. Not that I'm feeding them, okay, here's what you're going to do. This is a good thing. But I want to hear from them things that are going to stretch and grow me like wow I can't believe you you get to do that like you're doing a Dungeons and Dragons group and there's people coming and you're ministering to them awesome right like I want to hear creative engagement coming from these leaders and from these groups so I think as as a leader leading leaders that will always be a a focus for me is I want to hear about your creativity I want to hear about your authenticity and I want to see you doing community I think that's really good. Like, and I, the difference that I'm kind of hearing is being a part of this as well as the difference between actually having a pastor leading a group that is discerning and leading and guiding and shepherding versus a facilitator of a Bible study. Mm -hmm. And don't get me wrong. Facilitating a Bible study is a good, valuable and important thing, Absolutely, but it's very different from pastoring a group of people. That's right. And what's really cool, again, is just seeing some of that creativity. Not every group is going to look Mm -hmm. the same. And so the metric that you're going to have as to whether it is, quote, succeeding is not going to be, did you get through all the discussion questions? It's going to be, are you finding your mission? Like, are people growing? Are people getting closer to Jesus as a result of being a part of this community? And so that's just a really special thing. And I'm enjoying being a part of that as well. And I've, to be honest, for years have looked for um, more community expression like this. And so I'm just happy to be a part of that. And one thing that was mentioned when Steve was talking was house of worship. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of our gathering of all of the groups. And of course, we welcome everyone to to come. And, And if you haven't been to a house of worship, we invite you to come out. But it is strategically on Thursday nights, and it is strategically every other week. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But Chris, why don't you just walk me through, like, what is your 
vision and heartbeat, knowing that the small groups and micro churches are actually the heart of the church. Mm-hmm. What purpose do you see the house of worship gatherings holding within way as a larger community? Yeah, I think as we look at house of worship and where it could be in the next three years, I really, really, really want to emphasize testimony, like just the stories of our people doing and serving their community uh, the, the experiences of their life being shared to the whole body is super important. I mean, I believe that the power of the church is the testimony of the saints. So if this, the, the saints are silently sitting in the pews, we've lost some power here, right? And so uh, for me, house of worship is a place where that power has to be explored. It's also a place where we connect in worship. You maybe not have a worship leader at your small group. You might not have anyone that has talent at your small group to lead or play guitar or something. So this is a place where you can come and connect it's also a place where you can corporately come together and, and see uh, kind of what we would call the ecclesiological minimums, the things that make us a church happening, where, where we're gathered for fellowship, we're gathered. So, so when you're in your group of maybe eight, you know, eight to 12 adults um, in your home group, and then all of a sudden you come to the house of worship and there's inf- you know, whatever the number more, and, and you go, wow, it's not just us, it's all of us it's all these groups and and then you get to experience what those other groups are experiencing as well that's kind of the vision of what house of worship is it's like the the collect collecting point but that's why it's not every week because it's not the place the source of energy for our church it's it's just a a what we would call an on-ramp it's a place where if you're a person that wants to connect to this church and you want something that's kind of churchy this is it this is the place where you can come you can experience the service and through that through our strategic, uh, you know, community leadership, you'll you'll engage somebody, and maybe you'll join their small group or, or, or find your place and way in, in one of the many on ramps that we have, um, to to actually settle into like, wow, this is, uh, yeah, there's a biweekly Thursday night service, and that's great, but I get so much more out of that community, that authenticity and that creativity that's given to me to explore engaging my community. And so house of worship in the next three years, I mean, it's literally a coffee house, right? We're around tables, we're drinking coffee. Um, I really want to see more added to that. I want to see stuff happening prior to service, you know, at the tables, like just mentorship, discipleship, even just board games, (laughs) but utilizing that space and even after. So that's kind of part of the vision for the future uh, is to uh, utilize our time there um, more uh, efficiently. Yeah, and it's not just about the hour on Thursday where you are watching something going on on a platform. We actually want to engage you as a person in relationship and community with authenticity. Now, looking at House of Worship, where do you see the, that core value of creativity coming out? Yeah, the creativity is, um, you know, in the people, the ones that want to come to serve to bring their gifts and talents. I mean, every week so far has been kind of, it's felt completely different. There's been a different tone. There was even like table conversations or something rather than a sermon. And I find that um, as we, as we work out of our system, you know, the 20, 30, 40 years of church that we've all kind of grown up in, there's this ability to say oh well, i have a i have an idea i would like to try this i would like to maybe an art i i i worship through art through painting maybe i'll bring that or or you're creatively you know able to create a video 
series or or something digital like whatever those things are i want the i want that brought as an offering and i really see that house of worship that's kind of a piece of it you have your you have this ability to bring an offering before the lord whatever your creativity is and to, to serve it up for the rest of the body to see and to celebrate and that's that's kind of part of the whole testimony thing too right you want to hear what other people are doing, what they're capable of, and see their expressions of their face, because that encourages you, right? We, we, we learn that iron sharpens iron. So seeing other Christians doing things in a creative expression for God should increase our desire to do creative things for God. That's really, that's really good. And Steve, how have you found House of Worship to, to be for you? Like, what has been kind of going in your heart as you leave a Thursday night gathering? So initially I felt house of worship was very much a traditional service when we started. Uh, You know, you have your intro prayer, you have your worship, you have your announcements, you have your sermon, and then maybe more worship. And we've changed that dynamic. And uh, the last few weeks where we're sitting around tables, having it more like a coffee house has been... I'd say revolutionary because you can't get away from the people at your table. You can ignore the person sitting next to you in a chair, but if you're sitting at a table, you're facing somebody else and it really forces you to get to know the people around you. And I think that's a really healthy thing in the church to get to know the people that are with you and journeying with you. Uh, It helps them to get to know you better. So if you have an opportunity that they can help with, you can feel free to just bring it up. Uh, We had great discussion at our table last week. Uh, Our message was uh, basically sitting around a table and discussing questions. And I ended up with a group that was mostly family, but it's also family I haven't connected with in years. So we had an opportunity to really get to know each other better through answering, I guess, churchy questions where we see the future of the church where we see the important needs of the church and you wouldn't see that on a sunday service you can't just hand out questions and have people discuss them in pews you can absolutely do it around a table it's a really special thing and i've been to similar different things like in young adult contexts and and all of that but to see a this kind of gathering forming it has been really special to me as well and, and i would say the same thing like the early days of house of worship we were just kind of finding our way kind of getting established and part of that was giving a somewhat predictable mm-hmm. format now that we are in the in the community hall in grassy we have space yep. to have tables and to be able to have those conversations I've really seen like kind of a shifting in the atmosphere and even people walking in being like, okay, what's the room going to look like this time? Mm-hmm. Right. Again, like that, even that in and of itself, like sparks a bit of creativity and imagination mm-hmm. in, yes, it's a lot of work to set up the room and all of that, but there is something really cool about being able to just see what that expression is. Yeah, I think the big deal there is when we started out House of Worship, we were in a borrowed church, and it's really hard to get away from being churchy, traditional feeling when you're actually in a sanctuary with with rows and 
uh, you know, your traditional looking kind of Pentecostal church. Um, but that was never really the heart of house of worship. I mean, it was about the connecting. And then once we got out of there, got closer to home, got into our, you know, more permanent space here, it was about shifting the gears from that to where the vision would take us. Every week I'm shifting it. Every week it's changed. Every week it's headed more towards where the vision is. So I would suspect if you're listening to this podcast six months from now, you're going to, um, and you've been to a house of worship service, you're going to be like, wow, I can't even remember when it was you know, like a church service because it's changed its expression. And that's really, really great too because... We were talking about tradition, you know, before we recorded. And those are very hard things to change. And so to be able to have just kind of this different outlet, this different time, this different building, this different attitude going into the building, um, going into this. And so, so, Chris, if you were to encourage someone how to think or potentially how to pray as they're on their way to a Thursday night house of worship, what would come to mind for you? I really want people, if, if they're pray, if they're setting up themselves to pray, to just pray for authentic relationship to happen that night between themselves, but also in their connection to God. That's important to me that there's an authentic connection happening. I also would have them pray that they're open to experience something a little different than their traditional mindset might be. And if you've never been to church before, it's just going to be uh, easier, I would say, than, than if you're coming from a, from a traditional church structure. But uh, prepare your heart to receive the word, to grow, and to experience not a pastor-driven service, but a community-driven service. Awesome. That's really good. And one other uh, thing we want to talk about about way in the next three years is the podcast that you are listening to right now. And right now we are in episode four, and so we're starting to kind of get a rhythm. We're starting to kind of feel what this is about. Now, Chris, what was it in the development of the church that kind of sparked in your mind to say, we should have a podcast? I listen to a lot of podcasts. I they help me to form a lot of my thinking because I'm listening to just some incredible thinkers, um, people from across kind of the nations here uh, who are just really good thinkers who have positive energy that they're putting out and, and when they're sharing and encouraging the body of Christ to grow. And um, I also listen to a lot of mental health podcasts and I think that there's a calming thing that comes from listening to people talk about things that you might be struggling with and things that you want to grow in and answering questions that you might have. I'm, I'm a firm believer that you can never over communicate. So coming in here, hearing us talk about what way is and, and maybe answering questions that, um, you know, you've attended for a few weeks and you don't really understand or whatever, but to come back to the podcast and go, okay, like I'm learning the language cause we're really, we are shifting language, right? We're shifting how people talk, we're shifting how how people think about church, um, period, to, to our disciple-making model. If you're connecting with that, 
community to hear voices that are encouraging your thinking and encouraging your your growth cycle and reminding you of the language and reminding you of of the connectivity that we all actually have nowadays with with you know the internet and all of these t- you know, technological advances that allow us to literally you know pop someone's face onto our phone uh, nowadays it's such an incredible tool so i i think that a podcast is just a simple tool where we can you know let people kind of hear hear from us but also hear the testimony of our community around us as we bring in both christian people um, through who live here in niagara hamilton area but also um, non-christian people who might be uh, like our mayor or, or a politician or or someone who has some local identity and and ability to speak to our context um, you'll you'll be hearing those interviews and so to me, I think that's a powerful thing because not everyone hears the voices of my friends and not everyone hears the voices of the people I'm having meetings with or, or brainstorming like what the future of West Link and what the future of Grimsby, what, what's, esta- what's being established from uh, you know, a, a citizenship level uh, that affects us. So it's really, uh, really going to be an important part of Way's podcast is to hear the voices that make and shape us absolutely and i am really excited because so far all of our episodes have been steve and chris and i now that is about to change the next episode that's going to drop episode five is a christmas episode and we had some fun we had some candy canes this is going to be really good i'm not going to tell you who but there is someone from our community that came in and was a part of that Christmas conversation, and I think you're going to love it. So I do encourage you to tune in when the time comes for our Christmas episode. And another thing, too, about the podcast that's really cool is this idea that people that might be nervous to go into a home group or even to go step into a building for house of worship, this is a very low-investment way to get to know us. Mm -hmm. And so... The idea of being personable and authentic, one of the great things about that is if someone does choose to come, they'll recognize their voices. Mm-hmm. We will have already established some rapport with people. And so if you are listening and, and the podcast is the only place that you are connecting with us right now, we, we cheer that on. We encourage you to continue listening, continue tuning in to see the heart of the church. But we also do at some point when you're ready. We're not going to pressure you. We, we don't talk. We are not trying to be an anxiety-driven church. But when you feel that time come, we'd love to meet you. And if you want to reach out to us on social media or by email, we have an email address, podcast at wayniagara.ca. That's right. And we would encourage you just to reach out to us, and we would love to be able to connect with you. Mm-hmm. And so with that, um, it's been a good journey the last uh, couple episodes to kind of go through defining way, talking about who we are becoming as a church. And there's going to be that kind of community driven segment, getting to know the church, getting to know the people, interviews, the community. And then there's also that Bible teaching segment, which we are going to get to next in just a moment. You've often heard people say that life is a marathon, not a sprint. But these days, things seem to be pushing us to go faster and run harder, and keeping up can tempt us to sacrifice relationships. Pastor and author Glenn Packiam addressed this issue when he said that, yes, 
We can run faster alone, but we can run further together. Forget the rat race. Invest in relationships and you'll be amazed not only how much more ground you cover, but how great the journey is along the way. And welcome back to the Way Niagara podcast. And we are going into our Bible study uh, segment where we're today talking about Galatians 3 and 4. So Steve, why don't you give us just kind of that quick overview of what is the heart of Galatians chapters 3 and 4? Absolutely. So looking at 3 and 4, we're hitting a lot of the same points you hit in both 1 and 2. There's a big focus on grace versus the law or works and how you can't earn grace. Grace is freely given. So we still get into that in 3 and 4. But some of the new things that are added really focus on us as heirs to what's coming. We're heirs to what God is giving through Christ. That's probably the cleanest way I can say that. But also that we're not slaves to the law. That's something else that comes up a few times. Like in uh, 4 verse 8, quick, quick one. But in the past, since you didn't know God, you were enslaved to the things that by nature are not God's. So like you're just seeing some of the world versus heaven thinking and i think that's a big part of what we're seeing in four well that's that's really good and but what i find interesting too is that while paul is talking about grace it's also the one of his most maybe harsh language that he has given um in writing his letters why do you think that is Uh, I think he's really trying to get the point across how important grace is. Grace is just so incredibly important to grasp, especially as Christians. Uh, I think it's a concept that would be hard for non-Christians and Christians alike, to be honest. This is something we can't earn. And so many people try to do it through works, try to earn their way into heaven. And Paul is really pushing, like, no, guys, this is wrong. This is not something you can earn. This is something freely given. And he's trying to push the church in that direction. And I think that is honestly one of the hardest things um, in the Christian life to understand. I had somebody come up to me one day, and we ended up talking for almost an hour. But this is how the conversation started. The guy said, by the time we end this conversation, I'm going to either become a Christian or become a Muslim. Convince me to become a Christian. And where the conversation broke down was on the topic of grace. And at the end of it, he told me, he's like, I can't get behind this idea of grace. It is so big. And you would think that that would be the thing that everybody would be running to. But the amount of people I have talked to that that is actually the roadblock to giving their life to Jesus is actually quite surprising. Because I think we are so bought into the world's culture of earning. Yes. yes. I don't earn. I don't, you don't work. You don't eat. Mm -hmm. You, you know, you have to earn points to get this reward or like Mm -hmm. everything is based on an earning culture. Yeah. A reward based culture, cause and effect culture. But that's not grace. Mm -hmm. Jesus did the work up front and we are called to accept it and a lot of people especially highly motivated independent people 
in today's culture have a very hard time seeing that something could happen for them that is not based on their own efforts. And that is the part that throws people off. And even, and I think that's why too, even people that have been in church for a long time have a hard time with this because there is still kind of conversation in the church. And there are things in the Bible where it says, you know, faith that works is dead. And, you know, all of these kinds of things that leave us kind of scratching our heads a little bit. Okay. So yeah, no, grace isn't a license to sin, but I'm living knowing that I'm already forgiven, right? Like there is so much to unpack there. And so what would you say, Steve, to the person that is not a believer that is really struggling with the idea that they can't earn God's love. This is going to be something that I think parents can relate to more, um, mostly because being a parent myself, I really understood grace so much more once I experienced it. I do things for my kids because I love them. And sometimes it's stuff they really could never earn. There's no way my kids could earn it. Maybe when they're in their 30s and they know how to work, blah, 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 whatever, then they can pay it back. With God, you can't do that. The grace is freely given, but we have no way to pay him back. And one of the big things in that is that this whole thing is about love. God's not expecting anything back, but he would really appreciate if we did these other things. So to give you an example, love your neighbor as yourself. Yes, it's one of the great commandments. Um, I think one of the things that you can take from that is God is asking you to do that. That is not a requirement of grace, but God is asking you to do that. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's something you can do for me because you love me like I love you. And I think you can see that with a lot of the New Testament. I like to call them guidelines instead of rules. Um, you know, seeing the fruits of the Spirit. Again, that's a gift that we can't pay back. And there's so many things that we can follow that uh, if we follow what God is asking of us, we are giving back in the way that we can by showing love. That is the only way we can give back. Yeah, and that's a really interesting thought, right? Because we don't do those things to earn God's favor or love. But we do those things because God has empowered us by his love to be able to do those things. Like, yeah, the 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 Christian life of a growing believer is going to involve those things. Yeah. Over time, we are going to mature in our love for Jesus which will lead us to mature in our love for others because the two are inseparable, but we have to know what is first. Yes. It is grace first. It is Jesus work first. Now I know that I just rattled a lot of theological cages by just saying that. And so Chris, what would you say to maybe that, that pastor or that long-term believer that really just got mad at us for what we just said. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I find um, I constantly have to remember that grace was freely given and grace I must freely give. And therefore, you know, in my life, I struggle to give people grace on things. 
and I will struggle to give people grace on things. But the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus gave that grace to us knowing fully that we also were people that require extra grace, <laughs> that, uh, that we are fully capable of being annoying and, and uh, unproductive in our minds and our thinking and in the way we treat others. But his grace was poured out to us that we could receive it freely. So that when his father in heaven peers down upon us, the judgment doesn't come because he sees our sins. Instead, he looks at us and sees the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. He doesn't see the, the faults, the spots, the blemishes. He sees the perfection of his son. And that's what grace is. And so if you're struggling to comprehend grace... I think you need to spend more time with people that are non-Christian. And this is a, was a fault of mine even when I was working in the church world. Um, I had very little time, if no time, for my non-Christian friends or the people uh, in, in my life and in my circles that are not going to church or even specifically my church uh, to the point that when I had left the church to go in an established way, I reconnected so heavily with with many of my non-Christian friends. And it reminded me of how there's not a huge difference in the, in the experiences, the cultural experiences of Christians and non-Christians right now. The difference is the ability to approach uh, what's happening in the world with love and grace. And on, honestly, uh, I find a lot of Christians have a harder time approaching the culture with love and grace than my non-Christian friends. Absolutely. And, and even for me, having worked in the church or in Christian organizations most of my life and then going to Christian private school has made it hard. I have spoken to many, 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 many people that are not believers, but it has been hard to have regular contact, regular interaction um, to be able to build that. And I do have people that are um, that are not believers. Interestingly, though, most of them were. And so there's there's a... Sometimes I get that question of, why are you still doing that? Like, can you believe all the things that have happened in the name of God? Can you believe all this stuff? And what I've, and what I've kind of come back to every time that question gets posed is, yes, but that's not what it's supposed to be. You are looking at what unfortunately has become reality in a lot of places. What, what I'm trying to be a part of is to actually live what the gospel and what Jesus actually wanted for us. And maybe even addressing the things that were done wrong in the past and even naming some of that. So, you know, we were talking earlier in the episode about authenticity and we, I think, need to admit and acknowledge that the church has been full of hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. And so when someone comes to, with, to me with that criticism, I'm not going to get defensive. I'm going to admit it mm -hmm. and even apologize for it. I think one of the most powerful experiences of my life was I was at a pastor's conference a number of years ago. And 
there was a bit of a discussion group and all of that. And I had shared about how I was really poorly treated by a pastor. And the person that was kind of leading that session came up to me afterwards and he said, I know I wasn't the pastor that hurt you, but I am a pastor and I do represent pastors. And I want to apologize on behalf of that person. That was one of the most powerful conversations I've ever had. And so I would just encourage you, if you're listening and you're, you're a believer and you're getting hit on all sides, why this, why that, why aren't you living up to this? Okay, I know. In many ways we failed. And I'm sorry. Well, yeah, I'd say along the same lines too is uh, a lot of people are facing church hurt. They've been to a church. The hurt has happened as you're discussing. And where do I go from here? Am I done with church? Am I done with that church? What do I do? And that's something that Way addresses significantly. We don't have something like a dedicated group for people that have been hurt by church. We have everybody has been hurt by church. I don't know a single person at Way that hasn't been hurt by a church. And realistically, we're in a walk of recovery together. And that's been one of those remarkable parts about being a part of the way community, because I have seen that and I've heard those conversations and been a part of kind of helping people try to think through like, okay, how do we move forward? Mm -hmm. And how do we deal with that? That's, that's where we tackle that with grace, grace and authenticity, which is what we're seeing in Galatians. Like they're they're tackling uh, very culturally specific things happening in the church that are providing a lot of hurt for people, especially the non, uh, the Gentiles. And, um, Paul Paul is addressing it with grace and authenticity. For sure. And, and so we've been talking about maybe some of the ways that that's happened in, you know, hypocrisy, for example, um, being some of the ways that, that this has caused problems at, in today's day and age. Steve, can you walk me back? to back when this was being written, the context that Paul was thinking about when he wrote this letter and kind of just let us in on a little bit of what was going on at that time. Yeah, so we've gone through some of that in Galatians 1 and 2 where we're looking at the Judaizers. They've come on the scene. They are the Jewish raised people that are now, I'd say, interested in the story and message of Christ. Um and they're coming to the Gentiles, these non-Christians, non-Jewish people that are coming to Christ and saying, yeah, but here's all the regulations that we follow. These are the traditional things that we learned in our childhood to try to appease God. And you should be doing them too. And realistically, that's not where they should be. That's where Paul's coming from and why he's so passionate going, look, guys, this is about grace. This isn't about what you were raised with. Yes, they were good things. They really had a point to try to make it up for your sin. Uh, They actually address, or Paul addresses it in Galatians briefly, what the point of the law was. And it's just not coming to me at the moment. But uh, realistically, the whole point of this is grace versus works. Grace versus the law. You don't need the law. You don't need the works. 
all you need to do is receive the grace that's coming, receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and move towards God in everything you do. Galatians 4 starts off and talks really strongly about how we are children of God and about how Jesus was born under the law so that we may be adopted as children of God, that our identity is because of Jesus' work. What does that mean to you? And what kind of impact does that actually have in your day-to-day life? I'd have to bring this back to my family relationships. And uh, for those that didn't listen to the first podcast yet, which I'd say was fantastic and feel free to go back, um, I mentioned that my dad was actually adopted. So I'm not technically a Lamar. I'm a Trudell by blood. And uh, one of the things that you can take away from that is what does it mean to be adopted? When you are taken into this new family, what kinds of things have to change? You have to adapt and grow into that family. It's difficult to be able to be adopted and then choose to ignore the family and fight against everything that they're for. Uh, Being adopted by God, you get the great opportunity to grow with him as your father. Yeah, I think adoption speaks to proximity. Like when you're you're adopted finally into a family, you ha- are now in proximity to that family, to that relationship, to whatever dynamics exist there. And for us, when we come into adoption through Jesus Christ, we are now in proximity of the creator of the universe. We are now uh, orbiting his goodness and his grace for the rest of our lives. And we are, we are affected so greatly because no longer are we under the rules of the old family, the old life, the sin and death. Uh, you know, because I have sinned, therefore I am only worthy of death. We come into this new family whose inheritance is eternal life. And not because we've earned it, but because his fatherly grace separates us from that old life, from that old family. And his family's lineage and heritage is eternal life through belief in Jesus Christ. And it just makes me think about what it's like to go visit someone else's home and to watch how the family interacts. Because you are an external person coming in and seeing a family. But then imagine becoming a part of that family. And I think that's actually the transition that we go through when we move from not believing in Jesus to actually becoming a part of the family of God, where it's like everybody else knows each other. And even at way, there's a lot of people with blood relation. And so there are moments where I'm like, yeah, there's a lot of inside jokes that I don't get yet (laughs) when it comes to the way community or even Um, just the family of God in general. But that is the great part is that we can all be invited in. And I want to end on that point. And I just want to encourage each person, as you are listening to this, as this episode ends, take a moment and consider that. Consider how you are being welcomed in to something that you maybe weren't born into, but you have the opportunity to be a completely engaged, participating member 
in the family of God, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus did. And I think that's a really great way just to leave it on that point. And next time we're going to talk about Christmas and it's going to be awesome. And then at the beginning of January, we're going to finish off the book of Galatians. Now, I am so glad that you tuned in today. So much great conversation on the podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. God bless you.